the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. As we head into Hour 2, it is a delight to be joined by Pete Peterson. He is the dean at the Pepperdine School of Public Policy, uh, publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. David, would you put him on? My phone is acting a little funky, so I apologize for that. Uh, We got him. There he is. How are you, Pete? I'm great, Seth. Great to be back with you. Yes, you have been on the road, and I am glad to have you back. Have you been anywhere interesting? Uh, as it happens, I actually made a trip uh, last week to Australia to see some family there, but uh, also got a chance to do a little uh, vacationing around up near the the Great Barrier Reef. Oh, how so, fun. Yeah. So first time to Australia? No, actually, just with, with family there, I've, I've had the opportunity to get back a number of times. I actually lived there for a short time as a, as a kid. Oh, I but, didn't realize uh, that. Yeah. Yeah, we've got some family connections. And it is true that the water vortex is in the opposite direction, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Not yeah. A, everything, a, is, everything is reversed. <laughs> everything is reversed. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you back. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. By the way, first of all, uh, if it's appropriate, let me, uh, let me say condolences uh, to you on the passing of Tim Keller. One of the yeah. few religious leaders in a local community who was known not only in the country throughout probably followers and and uh, adherents in every state of the union but throughout the world do you want to say a word about his life his teaching and what it meant and he meant to you yeah well i you know lived uh, grew up in the new york metropolitan area i first heard about tim keller and his redeemer church which uh, met in Manhattan in a couple different locations, one on the Upper East Side, one on the Upper West Side. And I started going myself uh, in the mid-'90s uh, to the uh, gathering at Hunter College up on, I think it was 66th Street off of Madison or Park Avenue. And um, just incredible to see someone who is so well-versed in so many different Areas he would quote from literature, quote from uh, research studies, quote from current events, and um, just always able to weave a gospel message through uh, so many different stories. And I was just entranced. I would get there uh, to service usually fifteen minutes ahead of time and be right there in front of him, maybe five rows from <laughs> from the stage, and just uh, over the course of six or seven years, just uh, learned so much from him. Um, I'll never forget the um, the events around 9-11, which, of course, had rocked um, the nation, but mm-hmm. really did mm-hmm. um, alter New York City. He held a, a special service on a Wednesday night mm-hmm. soon after, and um, uh, I went to that service, and... Um, just he, he was a 
he was a real pastor to the city at that time. He went from this Christian intellectual and just a great preacher to a real pastor of a hurt and mourning uh, city, and um, just a giant, really, a giant in the Christian faith, and uh, certainly in New York City. Um, I continue to listen to his sermons and um, continue to be impacted by him, and uh, uh, a real loss, but uh, boy, talk about a life. Yeah, yeah, and an ad- as I say, adherents and followers uh, around. Normally, someone like myself wouldn't know who he was, but for the fact that when I was at a think tank in Washington D.C., Empower America, uh, yeah, the staff, the staff would just circulate his sermons all the time. Yeah, I mean, he really he had a he was he was uh, he was ministering to people far outside his Redeemer Church. Let me just put it that way. And, uh, yeah, so and I, I, I knew the name. Up, I mean, I just knew the name. Yeah, and you know, with with technologies, uh, with podcasts and so forth. I mean, his sermons and messages, and obviously books. He became a rather prolific author in his later years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that his impact is is going to continue, and obviously the church that he really helped build there in New York spawned a number of congregations throughout the city and and really around the country as well so that that life and the, his his impact and mission will continue to live on well we send our condolences to anyone within yeah. your shot who had a connection as you did Pete um let me uh let me take that point of what Tim Keller stood for and what uh, the better religious leaders in our country or in our world stand for and what you got from him around the events of 9-11. Let me take that, which is, you know, a moment or hopefully a reprieve of some calm and some reflection on bigger and deeper things that take place in those congregations, in those gatherings, whenever two or more do gather, right? And um, right. and think about it in the context of, of where we are as a country right now, Pete. I've been, I've been, I've been on a tear lately just about the lack of our ability to have those times anymore, to have quiet moments of reflection where things important can sink in and can settle. Uh, we're, we're given to such a frenzy and flood of crisis after crisis after crisis. We don't have a time and a moment uh, to reflect on on anything. And as Wilfred McClay, a friend of yours, great mm-hmm. scholar, great probably Americans, the great probably the greatest living American historian. I would say, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, he has these wonderful uh, imprecations about this in in the introduction to his textbook, Land of Hope, about how important it is for the human animal, he says, to get meaning out of its world that's not just about historical conscience, con- consciousness, but meaning out of the world so that we're not driven merely driven by daily events which whiz by us and leave us in a world of no context and no content of heavy or meaning durability. That, In yeah. other words, part of our social anxiety, Pete, is driven by the lack of the kinds of things deep reflection used to, used, that used to obtain here is. I, yeah. I think about that. I was comparing Joe Biden's latest campaign ad to the Morning in America ad of 1984, which he yeah. tried to mimic. And the ad in 1984 is a minute long and 15 seconds of it, a full quarter of it, 
was a church and a couple getting married with a pastor. And I thought, you know, bank commercials, all kinds of commercials used to have marriage ceremonies and churches. Yeah. These things yeah. wouldn't even get made anymore. And yet we are, as you wouldn't well know, at our lowest level of church attendance in our history, attended to, right. by the way, since 1984, about a 35% lower marriage rate as well. Yeah. Right. And you wonder, you know, uh, Churchill used to say, you know, we build our buildings and then they shape us. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much of the culture are we shaping and how much is it shaping us? You know, you, you, you're so right that we were not able to take these moments of reflection and, and contextualization. Um, but as we look at our, our daily lives, there are so many things that are fighting against yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you just think about the, uh, what do they call it? Doom scrolling. <laughs> oh, I don't say? know this. I don't know this. <laughs> yeah. No, when you're just scrolling through bad news uh, after bad news, crisis bad after news crisis. After, yeah. 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 That's the phrase I've heard. Doom scrolling. Okay. And, you know, it's just kind of one thing after another, but just immediate hits of flashes of information. Right. Um, All decontextualized that, from each other, by the way. That's right. right. Yeah. And it's exactly right. Yeah. Exactly that's right. That's important, yeah. too, to note. You know. and, and you wonder how that really can affect how we look at the rest of life. Um, uh, and uh, obviously, news today just has coming from to us from so many different angles. It's, it's frankly, Seth, one of the things I just admire and uh, admire your show for, but respect you for, oh is God. creating that space where you can have longer conversations and get into issues from a, a variety of perspectives. It's not the, the quick hit that we get from so many different things. I mean, the opposite would not be right, which is to say, well, just unplug and let the world go by and disengage from the news and what's going on, because as well, you and I both know, right. if you don't engage with politics, it will yeah. will engage. Yeah, with yeah, you, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Well, you're kind to say it. I, you know, well, I I do what you do. Um, I do on radio, or I try, I should say, to do meagerly yeah. try to do on radio. You know, what you do at the Pepperdine School of Public Policy. You know, I, the quick thing before we go to the break, maybe we can come back on this. Just a quick thought. Additionally, you know, you think about the kinds of things Bill McClay says. Or even Ronald Reagan said in his farewell speech about, you know, amnesia to an individual is just as bad as amnesia to a country. And I'm wondering if we might connect that thought when it comes to the anxiety, you know, the doom scrolling, the anxiety in an individual, which is through the roof, by the way, is as bad as it is for the anxiety we're putting our country through. Maybe we pick up on that connection when we come right back. Can we do that? Sure. Pete Peterson is my guest. He is the dean at the Pepperdine School of Public Policy publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Pete Peterson is my guest. He is the dean at the Pepperdine School of Public Policy, publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you are looking to uh, go into a career to help fix some of the things Pete and I regularly talk about, uh, that is the school for you with all the problem schools in higher education uh, or post-secondary education, um, Pepperdine is the solution. Pete, we were just going to break, and we were talking about anxiety in society, and you always do such a good job of highlighting the kind of work Brad Wilcox does. I saw you had a retweet of something he was doing on 
loneliness and um, yeah. that being such a symptom of society's degradation of family and faith. Uh, I read yesterday that uh, the year 2022 data just came in on drug poisoning deaths, an increase over 2021, which was the highest year on record. Um, and uh, you think about these things. I mean, in when we're talking deaths due to drugs, I want you had mentioned 9-11 earlier. They're, they're saying 110,000 drug poisoning deaths. Um, that's just what people call an overdose. That's not accounting for the drugs involved in suicide and car accidents and all that. Add that all together, you're getting about a 9-11 a week, Pete. Yeah. You're getting a yeah. September 11th a week. The anxiety levels in this society are through the roof, and the damages and the social costs equally so. And you have, at the same time, the decline in marriage and the uh, uh, drive down in, in church attendance and affiliation. What C.S. Lewis says, you can't remove the organ and expect the function, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, it's been my contention, and we've talked about this a few times, that part of human nature is the seeking of a affiliation. It mm-hmm. is going back to Aristotle that we're social, we're political creatures. Mm-hmm. And when there are things that mitigate that, uh, again, to... Uh, cross phrases with other book titles, you know, that search for identity and mm-hmm. that search for community. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when there are things that are running in conflict with that natural desire, the, the implications and the results can only be detrimental to mm-hmm. a society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when you're in the era that we're at now, which has not only the weapons, if you will, uh, the weaponization of things like social media when uh, you're not able to easily or quickly provide context to the images your mind is seeing. But at the same time, you're you're teaching in the schools that any desire for affiliation with a country like the United States should be seen as um, passe or, or worse, mm-hmm. then we are essentially raising a generation that is rootless, uh, without connection, and and certainly without connection to the things where traditionally uh, human beings have found identity, affiliation, and support. And certainly when we think about the Church and faith, and we look at the declining numbers of Church attendance, even if you weren't a person of faith and really didn't see the, have an interest in that, even if you just looked at it from a cultural perspective. Mm-hmm. One of the things one has to see is that these are people that are being disconnected uh, from a, a long-standing uh, source of affiliation, trust, and support, mm-hmm. and that in and of itself uh, should be concerning. Pete, I, I speak of this issue with some bit of diffidence. Um, but I have been part of any number of conversations and listened to uh, a lot of people who would be expert in this stuff um, talking about some of this 
you know, is the responsibility of the religious institutions themselves in some respects that have collapsed on some of their missions in some ways as well. Yeah. I mean, I, you're hearing me kind of couch my language on this, but if you, I, I think you probably know of what I'm yeah. speaking. And, uh, yeah. you know, Eric Metaxas does a lot on this and and uh, Dennis Prager does from from the from the Jewish perspective. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Albert Moeller does from the Baptist as well. Yeah, no, that's right. And again, um, you know, you have a conservative like a George Will, who's not himself a man of faith, but nonetheless sees the real societal cultural problems that can result and in fact are resulting from the decline in religious observance and attendance. Yeah, it is, yeah. uh, you know, it was Tocqueville we've yeah, talked right, about right. a number of times who said that, you know, religion in America is one of its great First of our institutions, right? Yeah, Right, and, and specifically political institutions. Yes, right. And he didn't mean that in the sense that uh, in a church-state way, he meant that in a way that, that churches were a place first of affiliation, a place to express and engage in public service mm-hmm. and civic engagement. Mm-hmm. And it was also a place in many of these congregational churches where people found a place of, of leadership. They were kind of self-governing civic institutions. That's right. And many people started in church leadership and then went into political leadership. That's right. That's right. And so you saw this, you know, just the importance of uh, religious institutions, whatever they might be, mm-hmm. uh, as being especially uh, for free people. I always think about it in terms of polarities, forces of composition in society and forces of decomposition in society. Mm. Which one is running faster? Which one is outrunning the other, uh, might be the way yeah. to put it. Uh, and you can't help but some of these days, some, some, some days thinking the forces of decomposition are outrunning the forces of composition. Were you? Did you see this story? I, it wasn't really a... It's not a small story. Did you see this story about the Dodgers and conveying an yes. award on this group yes. of nuns, right? So it's nuns, not just right. apathy towards religion. It's mockery right. now, too, open yeah. mockery. Yeah, it is. Yep. And, and the nuns group whose motto, do you remember their motto? Go forth and sin some more was their motto. Yeah. That was their literal motto. Now, right. I don't know if the heads of the Dodgers really investigated this and deciding to do this. They've since pulled it back. But the staff certainly, I mean, someone at staff level did this. And, you know, just right. the the leadership at the Dodgers just thought, well, this is this, you know, thought never thought twice about it. Never thought to do. And, and, and my God, Pete, I mean, it's just it's it's more than apathy. It's it's open mockery, right? It is. And again, it's um, you think about the employees of the Dodgers. Yeah. You think about the fact that just geographically, yes, Chavez Ravine, where Dodger Stadium is, is you know maybe a mile or two from Our Lady of Angels, one of the largest Catholic churches right. in Southern California, right. and home to where the Archbishop uh, presides. I mean, it is. I mean, just look at California itself. I mean, there is hardly a major city not not named without the deep and abiding influence of, of the Catholic Church and Catholic history here in California. Or the name and of Los Angeles Dodgers. in the first place. 
Oh, that's what it's Santa Monica. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, or Santa Monica, by the San way. Which, yes, yes. I could, we could go for We could days. go on, yes. Really? <laughs> yes. So, Sacramento. Sacramento. I mean, you know, yeah. That's, and, and, yeah, for the There's Dodgers. a lot of sands. There's a lot of sand. Let me take a quick break. <laughs> we'll pick up on this. <laughs> okay. But serious point, though, and I want to come back on it. Pete Peterson, I'll be right back. Pete Peterson is my guest. He is the dean at the Pepperdine School of Public Policy. I should also mention his Twitter feed if you um, if you uh, want to kind of follow some just great studies and reports and news about the kinds of things we talk about. Uh, Pete does a great job of uh, commenting and retweeting and writing some of his own on it. It's at Pete, the number four C-A, Pete for C-A. Uh, Pete, I was just kind of thinking about one of what what I thought you might have said in our conversation about Los Angeles and the and that scandal with the Dodgers, you were making the point. You were making a better point than I was thinking. The point you were making was about how steeped in, you know, religious themology uh, so much of California is. Never mind Los Angeles itself, right. Santa Monica, beautiful place. The point I thought you were going to make, and I'll make it now. It's 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 this, which is. When you think about an organization whose motto is go forth and, and sin some more, this is not something Los Angeles needs more of. Um, right. it's, it's, it's precious close to looking parts of—big swaths of Los Angeles are looking precious close to the way San Francisco now looks, I have to tell you. And what they need, I think, almost sometimes is an exorcist. Yeah. You know, it is. And just to be clear, this 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 particular group with the Dodgers that was going to be awarded a community leadership, yeah, community leadership uh, yeah. award from from the Dodgers is um, a group uh, known as the Our Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Right, something the Catholic Church wants more of, I'm sure. Right, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And of course, at, the Dodgers have now pulled back. Right, right. Just right. to you know, bring it up to yep. date. But the fact that, you know, to your point, that they even got this far yeah. Yeah. Uh, in a city like Los Angeles, mm-hmm. um, which, as as we're talking about, just does have an incredible history, uh, as as the state does. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the state was founded in the uh, Constitution, first Constitution in 1850. The Constitutional Convention was begun on alternating days by a a priest mm. praying and then a Methodist minister. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. alternated days mm. to begin the deliberations of the Constitutional Convention. I mean, you look throughout the state, just the influence, obviously, of the missions. Mm-hmm. And, and, but this, this move here is of a part. We've heard of the, the statues being torn down yeah. of Father Junipero right. Serra right. here in California, right. in San Francisco, as part of the which seems to be moderating now, but obviously we went through this fever dream with, with tearing down statues all over the place. Um, you know, this, the kind of move, again, by a, a, a respected, hallowed, beloved, at least Southern California yeah. institution in the L.A. Dodgers, yeah. really yeah. does speak to a utter disconnection with the 
history of the community and the state. And maybe even the contemporary part of the community in this sense. I think I read on your on your Twitter feed about Sam, Santa Monica, one of the most beautiful places in the world, uh, yeah. having an exodus. Now, again, I don't yeah. know how religious these people are, and my guess is maybe less so than, than other communities. But again, I mean, you take away these civilizing forces of composition, you go to war against them, and you increase the social – the uh, the social uh, destruction that leads people, yeah. whether they're religious or not, to want to flee beautiful places like Santa Monica. Yeah, and obviously there are myriad reasons why people are leaving the state yep. uh, to the tune of a half a million. We just learned in the last two years half a million Californians have left. Yeah, wow. Um, and uh, even even those that are. Uh, haven't left the state are moving from the coastal blue, uh, yeah. you know, dark blue areas to the more inland, yeah. uh, purpley yeah. areas, if not even red areas yeah. of the state, and, yeah. they, and they do exist. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, for a whole host of reasons, um, these coastal communities seem to be coming to a place where uh, the progressive set of policies that have uh, set these communities on a certain course, um, have shown themselves to be literally and figuratively uh, bankrupting of the communities. Well, let me be a little more political with you, if I can, on the next segment. This was a short one. We have a longer one coming up. Can you stay a little bit longer? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'd like to get a little more of a political view from you on some of this as as regards, you know, the talk about the governor of your state possibly running for president yeah. and how you see the health actually of uh, of my party, the Republican Party, um, and and the conservative movement within it, as a, yep. as a bulwark against all that. Pete Peterson is our guest, and he is the dean at the Pepperdine School of Public Policy. Uh, just a fantastic institution. Uh, don't be apathetic. Do something about your community. Get into public policy, and if you want a graduate degree in it, go to Pepperdine, the Pepperdine School of Public Policy. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Pete Peterson is my guest. He is the dean at the Pepperdine School of Public Policy, publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. Pete, a little bit of political intrigue. Um, you know California politics probably better than anyone. Uh, Diane Feinstein's terribly failing health. <clears throat> one of the stories I read was, maybe you shine some light on this, one of the stories I read was one of the reasons certain uh parts of the Democratic Party don't want her to step down is that is because Gavin Newsom would appoint someone probably other than Adam Schiff and somewhere, somehow, those parts of the party want Adam Schiff to run for her seat in two years, or I guess next year, and uh, that that would make it all the more difficult for him to uh, win if he were running against a, a nominated uh, or, 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 or a in-placed uh, uh, alternative other than him, incumbent, right? right. Uh, yep. Shed some light on that. Is there anything to this? Is there some of that going on? Yeah, there is. I mean, I, I think it's um, certainly the California media has been beating the drum to move out Senator Feinstein for 
months, if not yeah. over Yeah, and some of the Democrats year. in Congress, too, to be fair, too, right? Yeah, yeah. and of course, the, everyone is, is working with a certain degree of self-interest. A number of <laughs> I'm sure. people are, <laughs> I'm sure. uh, including yeah. Schiff, but also Katie Porter, uh-huh. um, right. uh, the recently... Um, you know, the yeah. congresswoman from uh, Orange County, yep. you know, there are a number of uh, Democrats who are angling for that seat. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so there there is um, battles really on both sides, those who are encouraging the governor to make a selection. But as just as you say, whoever is, if the governor were to step in and make that selection, yeah. Uh, that person automatically becomes an incumbent. And yep. just as happened with Alex Padilla, right. um, who was also appointed initially and then won election for the first time um, this past cycle, um, you know, that, that person becomes the odds-on favorite. So it, it there's a mixture of people courting the governor, but also telling the governor to stay out of this and obviously... The senator in question, Senator Feinstein, has not shown an indication that she will be stepping down. Which I t- makes I, her, yeah, right. I was just going to say one of two Democrats with um, the new senator from Pennsylvania, um, just really wondering to what degree they are really playing a role in the deliberations on uh, policy decisions coming out of the U.S. Senate. I might argue three Democrats won at 1600 Pennsylvania, but we'll keep it to the Senate for the purposes of this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Did you yeah. see that story, by the way, of that 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 just garrulous, terrible uh, set of interrogatories John Fetterman was trying to get to the— yeah. uh, And the Washington Post prints verbatim what his staff sends them, which is the cleaned up version of that. Yeah. A cleaned yeah, up articulate is- version. I mean, just the malpractice that's... I remember when that NBC reporter interviewed Fetterman during yeah. the campaign and told the truth about him, the truth teller they piled on. Right. They, they, no, they, the right. one me- member of the media that did her job, which was telling the people what's really going on here, the rest of the media piled on her for telling that quiet part out loud, I suppose, doing her job. But now the media is back back to defaulting and covering for John Fetterman. And and people wonder why we, I mean, I, people wonder Don't a lot of things. Don't trust the media. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that, that's absolutely right. And the fact that we still today don't really have clarity on right. his condition. Right, right. That he shows up in shorts and a sweatshirt to right. a Senate briefing right. that we saw recently. And that engagement, which he's supposedly reading from essentially the teleprompter. Oh, you saw him looking at it. I saw him looking at it. Yeah. And he, I mean, Uh and still was not able to really engage in the, uh, you know, the topic at hand really needs to be concerning. I mean, that this is, as has always been described, the most exclusive club in America. Yeah. And these aren't small states, by the way, Pennsylvania, California. Yeah. Yeah. But also just, you know, one uh, percent of a major decision-making yep. body yep. in our federal government, yep. Yep. and uh, we really should know more about his ability to carry out his office. And we should have known it before the election, but we should still know it today. Yeah, and the same with Senator Feinstein. Yeah, no, I, he was sounding like he was sounding worse than Gabby Johnson in Blazing Saddles. I mean, it really it was it was awful. By the way, I take it so there must be a little a little. Daylight between Schiff and Newsom? They're not maybe the yeah. closest? Okay. Right. That, ha- that yeah, happens in parties, too. I mean, it does. It, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is definitely some of the, the scuttlebutt that we're 
hearing. Um, and of course, if the, the governor is really in the catbird seat, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Um, but yeah. he also has a long time relationship going back decades in San Francisco politics with Senator Feinstein. Yes, 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 yes. So, you know, he, at least to see him at his best, the governor wants to be respectful of someone with whom he's had sure. great respect and who has really helped out the governor along throughout his political career for yep. decades. Yep. So yep. there's that dimension. There's that angle to it as well. As well. Yeah. Does, does he, is, there, is there a scenario, I mean, everyone thinks of him as, as presidential material or wanting to be presidential material. Is there is there a pathway for that right now? I... I have, Seth. I I know that I'm in a in a very small minority on this. I still think he's the Democratic presidential nominee in 24. And how does that work? I'm not opposed. I, I I'm not against your supposition here. I just I don't. How? What is the scenario? I think there could can become a time before the end of this year, certainly into uh, possibly into the fall of this year, where a decision is made by. President Biden to essentially tap as his successor, or at least to encourage uh, Governor Newsom to run for president. Can he do that? I mean, can he do that with regard to what his vice president, who his vice president is? Can he do that without major pushback? Again, it would be a five cushion bank shot for this to happen. But I just... There's some signs with some of his recent with Newsom's recent visits to the White yeah, House. Yeah. He's essentially on a presidential campaign now with okay. this pack that he has helped launch, yeah. and he's going around the country. The ads that he uh, put on the air in Florida and Texas, yeah, essentially yeah. staking out, taunting. That, yeah. You know, we've got two Americas. The yeah. one that you know is of being led by governors like DeSantis and Abbott, right. and then you have a you know another direction. And so he's really framed the issues around two different understandings of freedom, which at once I think is a very exciting time in American politics, but also I think one that is very disturbing. And suffice it to say, Governor Newsom sees himself as the leader of that very progressive wing of uh, American politics. Maybe next time we visit, Pete, we can talk about those two visions of freedom. I gotta, I gotta yeah. let you go to on to your weekend here. I remember that great speech of Abraham Lincoln's at the sanitation fair, where he said, "The world doesn't mm-hmm. have a great definition of liberty, and just now is in need of one." Probably are yeah. again. Probably have 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 arrived at that point again. Pete Peterson, you are such a prize. You're such a gem. I love our talks. Thank you for joining us. Always great to be with you, sir. You betcha. Pete Peterson from the Pepperdine School of Public Policy. Again, publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. Post-secondary education problematic as it is. The Pepperdine School of Public Policy stands bright and strong, and it's really a great institution. And uh, I can't say enough about it. If you're interested in a career in this field of public policy, and I hope you are, please look at Pepperdine. Speaking of the economy, um, bank failures, stock market, volatility, inflation, not transitory anymore, and a possible recession on the horizon here. 
why refi has an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. It's an investment where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. This is a uh, secure and collateralized portfolio, no fees, and um, again, with a high fixed interest rate of 10.25%. Why Refi is locally based, I encourage you to stop by their offices right here on, not right here, but just a little north of us on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I've been there, and you won't be asked to sign anything. You won't get a sales pitch. When you meet with the team at Why Refi, you'll see why I like and trust them so much and that you can... Two, why refi is a due diligence approved firm. As I say, you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or call them at 888-YREFI-34. Thinking about what Pete said about uh, jumping over Kamala Harris if Joe Biden were to not run for re-election and try and get Gavin Newsom, I mean, this is the problem, Kamala Harris. This is the problem race-based politics has brought upon the Democratic Party because it, it it would face the Democratic Party leadership and Joe Biden would face such tremendous pushback uh, in, in the world we live in with, uh, with the idea that you could take someone who was supposed to be such a representation of minorities, whether it be her, her race or her gender, um, then um, then you uh, then you just skip over all that and say it's not so important because we know actually she's not that good. You're saying the quiet part out loud again. She's actually a failure. I mean, that's the problem when you use race or some other characteristic immutable like that as the qualification, because what then happens if it turns out that person just isn't that good, um, then you're back into the territory that Shelby Steele warned about so long ago in his book, The Content of Our Character, where you are reinstantiating uh, a stigma of permanent incompetence. But yes, this is the how do you solve a problem like Kamala? Well, you don't start it in the first place. You don't play with this kind of fire, the kind of fire of racialized politics. Um, but they, they live by that fire. That fire is the Democratic Party's oxygen. Yes, that's, there, there are a few examples, right? And we can talk about those examples, too, in history. All right, we'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.